Today's musical episode of the Animaniacast is brought to you by TeePublic. Go to the Animaniacast TeePublic store today by going to TeePublic.Animaniacast.com. It is a fantastic time to go there because right now, as the time of this episode is being released, there is a sale going on at TeePublic. That's right. You can get great deals on t-shirts, stickers, face masks, sweatshirts, notebooks, uh, all these other different things with original Animaniacs, Freakazoid, Tiny Toon Adventures, Pinky and the Brain Designs, and much, much more. Every single purchase not only supports an independent artist, but it also supports this podcast. And they make great gifts for the holidays. So head on over to tpublic.animaniacast.com today for original artist designs that everyone will love. And welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Animaniacast. People, settle. The cartoon we're scoring today is called Lights, Camera, Traction. And in this scene, I need you to arpeggiate the chords into the modulation and accelerando out of the first movement. Ah, what does that mean? It means play it like cartoon music, Ralph. Ah, yeah. I see. And welcome everybody once again to another episode of the Animated Cast. This is the only podcast out there that's dedicated to the animated television series, Animaniacs, as well as other shows in the Rugerverse, such as Pinky the Brain, Tiny Toon Adventures, and Freakazoid. And today we have two very special guests with us. I am Joey, and joining me once again is my brother Nathan. I'm totally insaney. And across the country in Georgia, it's Kelly. Hello. Hello. Well, I think it's time we introduce our two guests right here. And I think we should start off here with a little biography. So starting off here with Julie Bernstein. Julie Bernstein has worked in animation as a composer, orchestrator, arranger, conductor, singer, and producer. Animated productions include Animaniacs, original and the reboot, Pinky and the Brain, Freakazoid Hysteria, Tiny Toon Adventures, Baby Looney Tunes, Make Way for Naughty, and Toonsylvania. She also co-wrote and provided orchestrations for the features Wacko's Wish, Tom and Jerry Blast Off to Mars, and and the theatrical short Carrot Blanca. She's also been nominated for two Annie Awards and 16 Emmys. Julie has won four Emmy Awards and her work on Hysteria and Animaniacs. She's also won the 1996 Award for Music Package and Sound Design for her arrangement and orchestration of the Warner Brothers' interstitial Crazy Careers. Plus, we've also got Steve Bernstein. Steve is a five-time Emmy-winning composer for films and television, writing music for horror, comedy, documentaries, and cartoons, and his music can be heard in the television series Animaniacs, the new one, of course, and of course the original series as well Pinky and the Brain, Looney Tunes and Make Way for Naughty just to name a few his motion picture work includes the scores for the grisly horror films Pernicious and Blood Lake 
and the award-winning documentary, Mr. Fish Cartooning from the Deep End. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome composers for the new Animaniacs series, and of course the original one as well, it's Steve and Julie Bernstein. Hi, everybody. <laughs> well, thank you so much for for coming on the show. We are so psyched. It's been, uh, you know, a dream to have you guys on to talk about music. We've had, of course, Randy Rogel on to talk about uh, his his music, but the music that is, you know, always in the background of every Animaniacs episode is really the stuff that the orchestration, the stuff that you guys are really responsible for, and both. Uh, myself and Nathan and Kelly were lucky enough to watch uh, five episodes of the new series and we got to say the one thing at least for me myself it wasn't even as much the voice actors coming back it was the music for me Uh that really tethered it to the feel of the original series yeah totally 100 percent uh so we got just to thank you so much for being on and and we have some get back on the horse Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, I think so far, of the five we saw, yeah, it's okay. Good. Good. Absolutely, we didn't hear any sour notes or anything. I don't. Know. Okay, so good. That's good. <laughs> well, uh, we have some questions, so I think let's go ahead and get to it. I think the, the first question I had wasn't really dealing with animaniacs, but you're a married couple. You're you working together, but I just <laughs> want to know how the heck did you two meet in the first place? <laughs> Uh, we were introduced. We were set up. Yeah. We were we were told that we had a friends. It was you know other music friends who said you have so much in common. Little you're did both, they know you're both composers, and we seem to have so much in common. And the truth is that, like many couples, we have everything opposite. Although it's true, we are both composers, but opposites definitely attract because we are different personalities. We're, we're so much different. So but we seem to to uh, fill in compliments a better word. I like your shirt. Yeah, uh, yeah right. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah uh, no, we so we were set up. That's how we met. Well, it's great to know that you, that setups work. You know, you can actually <laughs> and those never work. But uh, so I, I got another question. How how did you get started uh, composing? music for cartoons then but so you that was before you met were you composing cartoons or were you composing um maybe just i i know that i had done a before we met or no was it you know what we've been (laughs) together so long it's really hard (laughs) i know that i did i i was starting to do was it the ascap workshop that was after we met because i remember the workshop okay forget that i think i had worked on um (laughs) tiny tune adventures early on as an orchestrator, mostly for Fred Steiner and a composer uh, named Art Kempel. So, but I don't, I didn't plan to go into animation music. I think Julie had a little bit of an inkling. Well, for one, for one minute when I was in college, started studying composition slash theory, that was the major. And it started to occur to me that I was getting toward the end of college and wait a minute, what am I gonna do with this? And fleetingly, <laughs> fleetingly, I thought, oh, Cartoons have, uh, you know, the the underscore is totally classical music, and it, you really have to have a background. It, it was a fleeting thought, and then it left me, and I really didn't think about it until years later when I was writing on cartoons, and then I thought, wow, I really did plan this. So <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, I yeah I, I had no idea. I 
I, I got out, I got my bachelor's degree and I thought, oh my God, yeah. like Julia, what am I going to do now? I can't, I can't open up a music composition store. So I went back to school. So did I. We both, we we both, both well, like separately a, went to a safe haven, film <laughs> scoring and things like that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, after that, then, like I said, I got, got, I got involved with Fred Steiner. He was an instructor at the uh, film scoring program that I was in. But the, but the way we got, the way we really, the path to Animaniacs, if you'd like to know that. Yeah. Ready absolutely. for an anecdote. was totally serendipitous because we went, we were invited to a dinner that it, was some sort of. It was the Society for the, I always have to be careful, preservation of film music because we always used to joke that it was Society for the, the prevention, prevention of film music. Of film music. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So we went to a, but I think it was honoring. Ernest Gold. Ernest, Ernest Gold. Anyway, Ernest, anyway Ernest Gold. We, we went to an, an event, and a friend of ours, who was also a composer, who was not a member of this society, but got invited in the last minute to take the place of somebody, ended up at this same event. His name is Mark Waters. You, you might know him. He is also a... He did a lot of Disney work. He's, he a, probably still he's a great composer. Um, and I knew him, and he ended up at this dinner, and he sat at our table. And lo and behold, he had been working with Richard Stone. They had become partners. And Rich had gotten a show called Tasmania. And Mark... It's a smile of recognition. And Mark, <laughs> at the same time, was offered a show at Disney. And so they were basically splitting up their partnership. And Rich needed somebody to write with him on Tasmania. And Mark happened to be at this dinner, which was totally chance that he was there because he wasn't invited to it. He was taking somebody else's place. He sat with us our, table. Table, our table had a couple people that didn't show up, so he sat with us. He and I go way back, and he remembered that he had worked with Mark Steve and I worked, uh, on a Fred um, Steiner thing or something. Yeah, and, there. and he said, oh, oh, I'm going to send, Steve, I'm going to send your music to Rich so that you can work on Tasmania. Anyway, now it's a long, boring story, but it turned out that Steve worked out perfectly for Tasmania, and and then that's, and then uh, Animaniacs came along at toward the end of the scoring run of Tasmania, and Rich went over to do Animaniacs, and he took Steve and as his he, composer and, he took and me, me as along. his orchestrator. Yeah, nice. so we both kind of ditched Tasmania, which I loved working on, um, but the uh, very capable composers who were uh, left on the show were, were great, and they finished it up. And we got to go to Animaniacs, which was very exciting. <laughs> And so the world was it. never that's the same. Probably more than you wanted to. That was great. That was perfect. <laughs> but it's, just, it's an amazing thing how serendipitous. Uh, okay, I know that you don't have to include this, but I'm going to tell one more story. Um, <laughs> so uh, I was home one day when Steve was working on Tasmania, and Rich called, and I answered, and he said, "Hey, hey, can I talk to Steve? I I'm have I have a question about a chord." And Steve wasn't home, and I said asked me. And he said, I can't figure out what this chord is. I'm going to play you a tape recording. And when I stop the tape, right before it is the chord. And so he played this tape, stopped it. And I said, oh, and I went to the piano with the phone at those, in those days, it wasn't a cell phone. And I took the, the portable, you know, phone this big with me to the piano. And I said, this is it. And I played it for him. And he was so excited. Said, that's it, that's it, that's the court, thank you, thank you. And so the next session of Tasmania, which I went with Steve to, 
Rich had made me a stamp. I don't know if you've seen them on the on the scores, on the old scores. The composer would have an ink stamp with their name on it, composed by, and then orchestrated by. There would be a stamp, and he had had a stamp made up that said, composed by Richard Stone, orchestrated by Julie Bernstein. <laughs> this is an amazing thing. Well, it's a lot of luck. If anybody wants to know how to get into the business, yeah, uh, just, find out where there's an extra few seats at a table. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Just, all serendipitous, yeah. but it led to here. Well, fantastic. It's my understanding that, that Steven Spielberg wanted a live orchestra for Animaniacs. And so what was it like working with him on the original? And then also, you know, how is that different working on the, the reboot now? Well, since we really haven't worked directly with Steven in, in either show, it's exactly the same. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I mean, we, he talks to the showrunner and, the, and then they talk to us. And we have met him. We met him at a lot party way back. I think when when Pinky and the Brain first was right spun off, they, they, there was a big party on the on the yeah. Warner Brothers lot, and Mr. Spielberg was there, and we actually got to chat with him for a few minutes. And we have a picture with him. Yeah, but, that, and, but that's kind of been. But it, we, but. you know, we sort of hear what he wants through the intermediary. And that's surprising because he's such a fan of of music, and I I would have thought he would have been more involved, but. Well, he's, I think that he is completely involved and completely hands-on. It's just that we are not... Not directly. Yeah. We don't directly talk to him, but I'm sure that he listens and decides what he likes, what he doesn't like, and then we get word from the person who speaks with him. We've heard what his favorite episodes for music are, things like that. Kind of, uh, what are they? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> if, if, it's, if it's true, we heard... We heard once I I don't know this this is just hearsay so maybe I heard her say it. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was uh, West Side Pigeons I think was was one of his favorite I think because Netflix, yeah. is heavily uh, featured in it so yeah and that because what oh he's Scors- in that yeah, yeah. Scorsese and, and well the story we heard is that that he played it for Martin Scorsese which is really exciting because Steve scored that show. And to think that Steven Spielberg and Martin Scorsese were listening to Steve's music. That's, you know, yeah, that was, that was we exciting. could die now. You know? <laughs> so. I'm not sure he's listening to the music we're currently doing. We just don't hear firsthand from him. Yeah. Well, yeah. West Side Pigeons is just amazing. Like, I was actually um, taking the DVD uh, tracks uh, of, the, of that recently, and you can split them. And you can actually hear... If you split it just right, you can hear just the orchestration and oh. not really the sound effects that much. Oh, so awesome. I heard oh. West Side Pigeons just by itself, just the orchestration, and it's just wonderful. It's oh, just, it's fantastic. I just love it. It was it was really great live. Yeah, it was that was one of the toughest episodes to parody because Bernstein did his own turning upside down and doing backwards, and his it, he was so thorough in his 
economy of composition that there was really it was really hard to find some some sort of technique I could use to do something with his music to make it sound like his music, but not actually be write, his music. To write yeah. music that sounded good because you want it to sound as good as you can. But but he already took all the good notes. Oh. None of Bernstein <laughs> knew what he was doing. So, um, and making it sound like that, but putting it to the cartoon, he did a good job. Yeah, well, oh, thank you. Thank you. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Do you have any of that similar uh, situation this this runaround with the with the new Animaniacs? Have you found yourself having to essentially get close to the the notes of an original song, but then change it once again slightly to make We sure? haven't been doing no. that type of parody yet at this point. Like there, we did, we did a lot of parody with the old show. You mm-hmm. know, I think that you'll notice you saw the first episode on the show. Yes. Yeah, and, it, the first I know, and I'm not going to give up any other one because I, I know it's been in the trailer of the Jurassic Park parody that they did. Right. Mm-hmm. And all of that music, they I didn't have to parody because it was John Williams. Yeah. Um, all that had to be done that was, was an adaptation. We had, we had to a- adapt it for our Steve much smaller orchestra. John Williams for our orchestra. Wow, I. That's impressive. That was going to be one of my next questions because it sounds, um, it doesn't sound like a parody. It just sounds yeah. just well, it, 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 it is, it is, It's from the score. It's from John Williams' score, but his orchestra was probably three times. Three three times. Three yeah, times. I would imagine. So that's where the trick of the adaptation comes or the craft of it. And we arm wrestled. And Steve won, which is not fair because he will always. I'm win always the stronger with John Russell. Yeah, but, <laughs> so he adapted the John Williams. Well, that was impressive though because it's for I. I honestly just thought it was from the music soundtrack. Yeah, it just sounded great. right on. Oh, great! Well, you know that was great to hear. And that's I think one thing that helped that is that they, I believe they wrote the scene and and, and animated the scene to to actually fit the the scoring. I, I don't know if you've seen online, there's somebody took the Jurassic Lark, which is the new Animaniacs thing, and Jurassic Park side by side with, you know, with, with oh, frame I by frame. And it is nearly frame by frame. It's amazing. <laughs> This species of cartoon has been extinct since 1998. I mean, these haven't been seen on TV since the golden era of animation. And, and... What? timing was pretty much there. I had to do a couple tweaks here and there, but they, but they helped a lot. It helps to have the timing be right, but the orchestra is sounding like a bigger orchestra. That's also something that happens sometimes if you just get it right. The orchestra sounds like more than 35 or 37 people. It sounds we more sort of, eight. We had practice doing that you know, for, with the last run all the way, you know, those 10 years at Warner Brothers. We kind of figured out how to boost the the perception of the, of the orchestra so it sounds i hope a little bigger absolutely nice. <laughs> I, I, uh, <laughs> so for so during COVID, are you still recording these uh like uh, how does that work trying to do that remotely well, we, yeah we yeah. we started we had the chance to do two and a half episodes live and then COVID locked us down 
And since that day in March, we have been doing our sessions remotely with uh, 30-plus musicians who are each in their own homes, sending us the tracks. We prepare for them uh, a reference track and the click track. We do some preparation. We get it to them. They record each individually in their own space, which, of course, they don't all have the same space, like mm-hmm. a live place. They record remotely. They send us the tracks. We assemble them, do a little bit of editing if there's anything needed, because, you know, when musicians aren't playing together in the room, even if with a reference track, they don't hear each other. Anyway, and then we go back and forth with our engineer, who we get it to sound like the room. Yeah, I, w- I would imagine that would be really difficult. Like everyone's just the acoustic of the room, the microphone, yeah, like all of it's going to affect the sounds, I would think. Has, so. Everybody's tracks are different. They're yeah. like the acoustics are all using different mics. And different. Yeah. And some people have different programs. You know, there are different programs for this. There's Logic and there's Pro Tools and there's whatever people use. But um, I think finally toward the end of this season, this first season, we have it got it down to a science. We have everybody working on it and knowing exactly what to do to make it sound good. And it, it really is amazing that it sounds so good. Yeah. Good for the musicians, though, because they're, they're like, like we have been, they are now forced to become their own engineers. Yeah. That happened for us probably 20 years, 20-ish years ago when they dragged us, especially me kicking and screaming for the 21st century. Uh, I miss my pencil and paper still. But um, if we didn't have this technology, we wouldn't be able to do what we're doing. But um, it's they, you know, they're their own engineers, and now, and plus their performances, they they all have to present tracks to us. They're individual solo and tracks. And they know that we know who it is, and so it's very. <laughs> so we're listening, and they're it's, very. It's, it's intimidating. Yeah. I mean, I would be intimidated, and try to assure them we're not, we're not, you know, being so nitpicky and listening. But we are listening, and we know. We listening. give them three strikes. And it's the, not too bad. The, <laughs> amazing, the amazing thing is, they're all so good. That's that's what's incredible. How could there be so many fantastic musicians? They're amazing what they can play because we really give them. I mean, you've heard it. It very fast playing, mm-hmm. and then it might change. It change drastic changes, and they do it. So yeah, they're mind They're really great musicians. We're lucky. Yeah, I didn't hear any difference, at least in the episodes that we yeah, I can, watched. Uh, I could not hear I, any auditory, so I, I just assumed. Well, we shouldn't have told you all this. <laughs> I know, I would have been like, oh, they did this but, all before COVID. Yes, that's right. Like, <laughs> that's right. Actually, I, I made this whole thing up that I was saying, we did it, we did it all live. Yeah. Uh, we're longing to get back to the studio, but I don't know if that's going to happen for a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, have you have you started uh, any work on the second season with composing, or is that still? We are about. No. We're about to. We're about. We have a couple of weeks left of, of vacation. Okay. I, think, I think we're back to it. So they don't have any initial plans right now, at least, to get people back into the Warner Sound Studio. They're just no, going to play yet. it safe. You know, the thing is with this size orchestra, I think it, the best the the way it sounds best and the way it works best is to have everybody in the same room. And, and that is strings and winds and brass and everybody. And I know a lot of, there, have, there are shows that are doing live sessions now. I know that at different studios, but they're dividing them up. So you have the strings greatly separated distance-wise, which is a different, that's a different experience. Yeah. And the winds are, and winds and brass have their own session. And I think that we're probably going to go back when it's safe for everybody to be in the same room. Yeah. 
That's I mean, my guess. You know, but we'll, you know, we're not getting second takes like like we would want to. But I think that, that they're sort of self-editing. They're their own tracks, yeah. the musicians, and they give us what they believe in and are correcting so to be their best track. It's it's a very different, very very different experience it's, it's, it's doing it different. remotely than doing it. I mean, we really learn what a live. We've always said it, but now we really know. We have the experience that a live performance where everybody is breathing together and hearing what everybody else is doing. So a musician even unconsciously adjusts so that it's correct. And for us listening, if I'm in the booth and Steve's conducting, I might say, you know, let's do one more. Let's just do one more and, and fix it a little bit or make it a little better. Let's try one more. But doing remotely, you can't say one more. This is the one. But they're sending us, like Steve says, they're sending us impeccable tracks really great play so it's just a matter of sometimes lining it up because things they're not all in the same room and you know it's it sometimes needs a little bit of pushing to the left or right a little nudging but really it's, it's pretty close and then yeah. our, our engineer does some miracles at his place yeah. Y'all were talking about Jurassic Park and John Williams, and I've heard that you met him, and I was just curious how that came huh. about and what is he wow. like? Yeah. Well, where did you hear that? <laughs> it's on our we, website, I think. Yes. Uh, <laughs> we, um, we actually were, were commissioned to write, and we usually write in our separate corners. We're, you know, we very we're, rarely write together, we don't really write with together. the exception of, I think, Baby Looney Tunes. We did write which we together. wrote. Side by side at the same keyboard. It was very and we weird. do collaborate on themes when there's a character. But we were commissioned to write a piece of music for a very, very small uh, ensemble, a singer. And then we had three instruments. Anyway, and it was for a birthday. No. Not the birthday. Oh, the it was retirement. An award. No, no, well, no, not really. It was, uh, I don't mean to contradict you, but I will supplement I'm what you're sorry. Talking. I cannot live with a marriage like it was it was uh, the first annual. It's called Living the Legacy Award for the Young That's Musicians right. Foundation. But it was for a musician. And, who first, and it was honoring uh, a particular uh, musician, an oboe player, an oboe player who was, used to play for the LA Phil. I thought he was retiring. He was retiring. That's <laughs> what I was trying to say. Anyway, he was retiring. We were commissioned to write it, and a lot of people were there to honor him, including John Williams. I mean, Michael Tilson Thomas was there. A lot of different people. And so John Williams was there. And afterwards, of course, we went up to talk to him. And he even said something, I wish I had tape recorded. He said something about how he liked the piece that we had written, which he would never which remember, I, but I will always remember. I've not, I haven't washed my ears since. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was really a thrill to, to meet him. And he was quite charming. And it was just, just really lovely and down to earth. So that was a, that was a nice thing. That's when we met him. Yeah. Well, you mentioned your collaboration process right there that you write separately. Uh, can you get into a little bit more of that? Like, how does this work with this with the, the new show, the new series? Sure. Um, well, it's kind of, I mean, it, it's it's related to what we used to do um, and on other things uh, in that we get the video first with obviously no music, no sound effects. Sometimes there's a little bit of sound effects that may or may not last to the, to the final mix. And we watch it, and we watch it again. Then we panic and go eat something. <laughs> and then we come back and divide the short into segments of a minute to a minute and a half. And the purpose of that is so that we each can write on it, but also so that the musicians, when they're playing, they can play a piece that's not too long 
and stop because without making a mistake, because the longer it is, the more chances they're going to have to then do the whole thing over if they make one little mistake. Although anyway, so um, we divide it up, but we also look to see if there are any characters that we might want to write a theme for, because a lot of our writing is thematic. Um, and so if there's a theme, we often on this iteration of the show, we will sit together and come up with a theme together. And then we'll go on our separate corners and write. Steve will start with the first cue. I'll write the second cue, thinking I'm going to write that he will write the third and I will write the fourth. And by the time I come back after having written the second, he's already written the third and fourth. And so <laughs> I end up writing the fifth. <laughs> he writes a bit faster than I do. So, um, yeah, so that's how we do it. But we we don't actually sit next. We don't actually collaborate on the on the underscore on this show. We write our own parts, but- We, we do pass, um, what's, what I'm, what's the word I'm trying to say? We, we, we present each other with, with our work, what, what we're doing for the scene, and we can kind of hopefully can, not critique it too much, but we, we kind of offer we'll our that suggestions. We, like that's not working, and then the person might write it over. But we do need to make sure if Steve's writing this cue, um, and I start the next cue, I need to tell him what key I'm starting it and how I'm starting this next cue so that when he comes to the end of his, it melds into mine and the same with the end of mine so that it goes into his. So we're always look, going back and forth to make sure that we are making a, one consistent piece of underscore. Mm. Right. That makes it. Uh, so how do you compose, like how do you collaborate with um, like uh, Randy Rogel or some like other song composers, uh, songwriters on, do you have to do any collaboration? We don't. We don't actually collaborate on their songwriting. For example, Randy wrote a song on the episode mm-hmm. that you saw. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if they saw it yet. The oh. first one or which one? We saw. No, it. No, you might not have seen it. So yeah, he we, he wrote a song in, in the first season, and we were given his the just his uh, the track that he did, and we took it and we arranged and orchestrated it. Okay. So in other words. His was just on piano, and they and Rob and Tress and Jess had recorded it. There used to be more collaboration between, especially between Randy and us, because in the old show he would come and play it for us, and then we'd say, "Okay, this has to be done to a click, otherwise we will have forty people at our throats." Um, so we would. What does that mean? Well, that means the musicians <laughs> would just be really upset if. if the templates oh. all over the map. It's a so we, we would help develop his um, scratch track, what they call it, what they what they animate to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so or we might have even template. played the scratch track in while he was doing it. But this time, this time we got it already. They had done what they did, and we added our thing. And uh, the other songwriters on the show, we're not actually collaborating with them. Okay. It's just the, the show gets but stitched together. At the same time, we try to uh, lead into their song appropriately right. and mm-hmm. come out of their song I mean, appropriately. In so that way, because together. there's a music supervisor who lets us know uh, what the key is. Because, you know, we need to know, just like with Steve and I, making sure that we're going from one key into the next. Mm-hmm. If, there's a so- <laughs> if, if there's a song coming, we need to know exactly when does the song come in and what key is it in and what is it doing so that whatever we're doing goes into that and then on the other side goes back out. 
Yeah, so that makes sense. In that way, we're collaborating, but we're not actually sitting with. I think a, a lot of or many of the songwriters are in far flung parts of the world now too. Hmm. So um, it's it's. But that doesn't yeah. matter. No, it doesn't the matter. Internet. No. <laughs> you guys are we don't know where you are yeah, we're, yeah. Well, we have two in arizona and then we have one in georgia and then you oh, guys wow. are in California. all the blue states she would never know that yeah really? I, I think we did see the randy rogel saw the um did you see it? The, the one where he's like uh in russia right is that the oh that's a different one, see, oh, that's that's a different one. Yeah, yeah. they're sprinkled think... in yeah i know there's a bunch i'm sure there's all okay yeah um, yeah there are different songs uh, so far we've only had one of Randy's songs in the in the first season. And it's it's toward the end of the of the uh, of the first batch. Yeah. Um, so there's some uh, other writers on some of the other songs. We used to be involved with the. We used to write the songs back in the day. You know, Randy wrote his songs, and then we wrote the. As you probably know, there were lots of little. The characters would break out into song maybe for 28 seconds, and then they would continue talking, and then they might break out in song. Or if it was a parody of a. Disney musical or something that we we wrote those things. So the Jocahanta stuff and everything. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jocahontas and and Cutie and the Beast mm-hmm. and oh, that was so uh, bad. Pigeon on the Roof. Pigeon on the oh, Roof. Yes. And, you know things like that. We were we were very involved, and that was fun being at the at the vocal sessions. I mean, just with Rob Tress, Jess, and everybody who and Maurice Lamarche and and the other. Mike Welker, I can start naming all the just they're so <laughs> brilliant, brilliant, brilliant voice actors. Anyway, <laughs> I noticed in the new episodes, uh, y'all are doing something very similar to the original series, and you're using little little sprinkles of um, folk tunes and, and old established songs. Yeah. And so, how do you decide when to use your own original music and then to bring something in that, that's already well known? You know, if there's if there's any kind of musical pun or reference that you think somebody might catch somewhere, like you, it's really fun for us to put them in, and it saves us from having to write a tune. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, a hunting we will go, or you know, it, it doesn't have to be literal. But if somebody's searching for something, we put in. You know, we, we love it like when a, people like you do notice it, and sometimes we just do it because it's fun for us. That's part of the tradition. I mean, all the way back yeah. to Carl Stalling, and probably before. Um, he would put stuff in that I'm sure w- wasn't um, noticed by the majority of people listening and watching. Or, or, and we used to, and we still do, we'll throw in a little, like maybe four bars of a classical music that really it's folded in so that nobody's going to hear, but the musicians, while they're playing it, they've been in orchestras and they've probably played it. And the hope is that they chuckle when they see it. So. Yeah. Not chuckle so much it messes up their music. Not chuckle no, while recording. They wait till they're, the red light goes they're allowed, to, they're allowed to chuckle before and after, but not during recording. Yeah, that is totally one of our favorite things to see is when we're uh, re-watching these episodes. It's definitely usually on the rewatch that you hear, oh my gosh, I just got another joke, and it's in the background, <laughs> it's in the music. Um, yeah, it's, I, it's nice. There's many layers of these cartoons. It's like it, you can watch it again and catch something you didn't catch the first time mm-hmm. around, which is in the, I think it's the first episode when Yako is carrying Wacko horizontally to bash in the door of the water tower. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we just played Carry Me Back to Old Virginia because Wacko's being carried someplace. <laughs> you know, you're trying to think, what's a song? Isn't there a song with Carry Me, Carry Me? I know that, oh, you know, that type of thing. We have a list. 
Yes. <laughs> the, the the what's that one song um, that's uh, uh, usually plays with water is being played. Like I remember in uh, in Potty Emergency, it goes da 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 I think that in the Animaniacs reference guides, there's a lot of work that still needs to be done with that uh, the, the original fans back in the in the 90s who caught every little fact and they wrote yeah. everything down there's still some gaps and the gaps are well, usually and I'll, offer, I'll offer another thing that i don't know if they got these but we often will take a theme that everybody knows like a pinky or and the brain theme or the any of the animaniacs themes and we will distort them we might play them upside down or do something or if there's another character with them you might hear two melody lines fitting in with each other one of them is that thing we did we did uh, one of each of those in this new in the new uh, episodes um did you get the one with julia uh i believe so is that we the the the, the floatus female mouse that was camping. oh yeah, yeah yes yeah. the yeah. floatus okay. so yeah so she has a theme that you know she's a new character so we wrote a theme and what are you but it's in counterpoint with the pinky and the yes. brain theme it works in so if you play it with with the brains theme, if you play them at the same time, they work together. And we did that intentionally they're, because they're harmonically, they, 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 they do harmonically go, fit. Exactly. They go up against each other so that when they are played together, you have that effect. And it's it's a Mozartian, Wagnerian kind of thing. They used to do the same kind of thing. And uh, I know that at the beginning, we harmonized Julia's theme in a kind of very sweet, innocent, happy kind of way. And then as she developed... The sto- in, in the story, she became minor. She became, the, you know, minor. became minor and matched the pinky in the brain. Huh? Yeah, as opposed to major. Listen, and that's <laughs> one for us. I, you know, I am hope, we hope that subliminally it, it may be effective. I think, yeah, I think so. I think and and um, the brains, the brain uh, invented the uh, mechanical brain that, that, that he called his son eventually. Yes, his son. It's a great episode. <laughs> yes, and if, if the son's theme is the pinky in the brain theme. Inverted, turned upside down. Wow. That's so cool. He is the son of the brain. I mean, we think about these little details, these very finicky details. We have them in the writing. <laughs> this is this is scoop-tacular. This is fantastic. <laughs> Learning all these cool things. In the reboot, there's uh, there's new musical styles that are featured in the series, like uh, like K-pop and like anime kind of thing so like I, I just don't know if did, did you two have to compose okay. those or no no those we're, are songs we're not involved okay. Okay. <laughs> i mean i think that the everybody realized that we have certain i mean we have we have done things in the style of just about everything but mm-hmm. there are a lot of people that 
are much better at doing certain styles and mm -hmm. because they're used to it, they might as well do. So there's sure. no need to ask us to do K-pop. We have you know? basically two weeks if we're lucky to get the whole episode written. Wow. And it would take us probably a week to get the sounds down for a K-pop I mean, song. So, so it would so take us hours and hours of finding the right drum sound. You right. know, it's it's just not exactly our... Yeah. What? It's much more efficient this way. and They do a great job. Yeah. Uh, Nathan, do you have a question you want to well, ask? Well, I just want to get into these questions from our from the people that you found, Joey, but unless Kelly has. Yeah, I've got one from a listener. Okay. Um, this is from Jamar. Uh, how does it feel coming back to compose for this show after so long? And what are some of your favorite sessions? Uh, it sounds, it feels great. <laughs> <laughs> it feels familiar uh, <laughs> because, you know, we did it for quite some time and it's, we always liken it to riding a bicycle. It may be a little wobbly when we first got back on, but then we got our, <laughs> We got our sea legs. We got our bicycle legs. How do you? Mean? I mean, <laughs> um, it's it, it's it was always such a joy yeah. at, of a project to work on, and so the fact that it's back and that we can do this again is it's it, the way we feel is, or I'll just call it exhilaration. We're exhilarated. Yeah, getting yeah. to do this. We're thrilled to be doing it, and it, it really wasn't much of a transition. We kind of hopped right back into the groove. With the you know, there's some there. It has evolved in a certain way, but we'll let everybody figure out what they think, how it is. It's consistent with the earlier music, but there, of course, it's been 20 plus years. And so there is evolution. We've evolved. Mm -hmm. And so every, you know, every, every aspect of it is evolved in a certain way in keeping with the original. So... I forget what the question was. <laughs> <laughs> the going from one to the next, yeah. 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 We have um, a couple other questions from listeners, but I think some of these right here, I think we've kind of already gone over. So let's get to uh, this other one. This this question. There's a few questions here. This this person's an overachiever. They actually sent in three. Um, uh -huh. This is this is a person. His name is um, Tom. Oh, this is Tom Ruger has his questions for you. <laughs> he says, he says, what were the instruments you played in your school days and then after your school days? Oh. We love you, Tom. <laughs> um, we, we both played we piano both. from way early ages. I started at five and probably Not similar the same time. We were both pianists, but, and we also, I think we both, we're too similar. That's why that person who who thought we'd have so much in common put us together because we both play the piano and we both write and we both sing. We both sung a lot. I used to, um, this is a really nerdy thing. I used to get together with a friend in high school and we would take turns. I would play the piano while she would play the recorder and then we would switch on the music and I would play, I would actually play the flute because we had a flute. I would play the flute and she would play the piano. So, I've always picked up instruments and played by ear, but I don't play things well. I play the guitar, but not well. We both, Steve and I both play the violin very badly. Very badly. Very badly. <laughs> but what happened is that our daughter was taking violin lessons. And at a certain point, the teacher was coming to the house. And it occurred to us that while the teacher was in the house, she could teach us as well. She wouldn't need to teach us music or anything about music, just how to play the violin. So we ended up learning. We rented some violins and we learned to play and we would play quartets with our daughter, the teacher, and the two of us. But like I say, we are not good. <laughs> it was painful, but it was fun. But fun. I know that in, uh, in my undergraduate program, 
um, composer, composing majors were required to take four separate semesters of a different instrument, which was okay. I played a semester of oboe, actually oboe and bassoon. I played a semester of cornet, which was hugely painful. I did a semester of flute, which was almost impossible. I have a lip that's shaped exactly wrong for the <laughs> flute. And I would hyperventilate trying to get any sound of it whatsoever. <laughs> so I tried to stick to the piano. Piano, you know, you don't. It doesn't take any wind. It's just yeah. your you press the buttons and so, it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Less cardiovascular uh, stuff yeah, going on with that, unless you're playing like Chopin so. <laughs> Exactly. But thank, you, but thank you, Tom, for the great question. Well, Tom's got a couple other ones in here so, too. Okay. He's an overachiever. What do we got? What's another one here, Nathan? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Tom also says uh, that your voices were heard on many cartoon shows that we made that they made at Warner Brothers in the '90s, considering. Animaniacs, Pinky and the Brain, Freakazoid, and Hysteria. Approximately how many songs can you be heard singing on the soundtracks? Wow. That's a, a, to know. quantify that, that's hard. <laughs> that, in a Hysteria, lot. Hysteria had the, the kid chorus, yes. which, um, you know, we didn't exactly qualify, but we added to the sound album. But so we both sang in the kid chorus. Emotionally, we totally which, qualified. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the way we act. And I think that so that the kid chorus appeared in the majority of episodes. So that was a I lot. Forgot how many we did? Maybe two seasons. And and we were fortunate to be. Um, Andrea would cast us. Andrea Romano would cast us uh, as singers on. Didn't you sing on a? There was a Pinky in the Brain. Uh, I sang on the main title of Pinky Elmira and the Brain. Oh right, oh. yeah. You sang on that. Um, we both sang in Wacko's Wish, which was really fun. Yeah. And I got, I had a solo, I had a breakout solo in there. That was fun. And that was where <laughs> Dot is shown singing, I've Been Feeling Low. Oh, wow. That. That's me. That was Steve. <laughs> Very <laughs> impressive. And then I got, I, got to, I got to sing in um, Cutie and the Beast. Yeah. It's a Cutie and the Beast. Yeah. I got to be some character in there, mm-hmm. and I've sung on other ones. So, yeah, we we did a lot of singing. That was just so much fun. I actually tap danced in one episode. I tap danced with Randy Rogel. Oh, wow. So Randy Rogel is a fantastic dancer. And um, I had studied tap dancing. And there was a scene in the Warners. It was an army scene. Yes. And, and they, uh, so they already had their movement. It had been animated. And so Randy came to one of our uh, recording sessions and he and I went out into the other room and we worked out a, a dance, a tap dance that would work with the animation. Oh my gosh. And, oh. Then, and then Bobby Fernandez, I think, was the engineer on that. And he got us a piece of wood and we actually, they put a mic down to the wood and they... they followed they, the tap dance. Yeah, basically. they recorded, they recorded us um, tapping. That's impressive. That's I also, impressive. I, I'm sorry. Now, I usually don't. <laughs> this is just because, did somebody ask this? This is because of Tom. Yes. Like, yeah, Tom. I normally wouldn't go into all these things, but I remember I also whistled on an episode. There was an episode <laughs> that. that was a parody of Lassie. And um, if you guys are too young to know Lassie, <laughs> anyway, there was a show with a dog, a German shepherd named Lassie. Holly. Sorry, 
sorry, Lassie. It was a collie, and he saved everybody at the end of the episode. She. Anyway, she, <laughs> oh, my God, I am right left. Well, Although a, played by a male person. No, no, I whistled on it. I whistled. There was a... There was a famous whistler whose name I can't think of right now. Not the artist who did the whistler. Anyway, it was a whistler who was hired as part of the orchestra. And he came and I went into the booth with him and I whistled a harmony. Puppy. I don't remember that. That's cool. Yeah. I did. And if it wasn't on the Lassie show, then if there was any other show that there was whistling on, then it was that. But my request <laughs> was on the Lassie show. She's a singer, a composer, a tap dancer, a whistler. A whistler. Multi hyphenate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kelly, what else do we have here? I, um, I would like to know who your favorite uh, Animaniacs characters are. Oh, that's like asking which of our children we like best. Um, that's hard. It, it depends on what they're doing. I mean, uh, Yakko's hysterically funny and Dot is hysterically funny. And I have a soft spot for Wacko somehow. I don't know why. Because I mean, he eats so much. I'm not sure. Everybody does. And that, you know, and it's, I mean, and certainly, you know, both Pinky and the Brain. I mean, I think we can all relate to some of those facets. Of you know, do you know what is hard? I think that the thing with us is that we're not just watching it, watching the drawings, watching the characters. We know the actors as well, and we love them. And we know the people that came up with the, you know, the Tom Ruger, the Peter Hastings, the people that came up with these characters and, and the writers and the animators. And so it's really hard to separate any of that. So I, I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't choose. I'm sorry. A question here from, oh, another one from Tom. How did you get, yeah. how did you get Paul Rugg to sing more than one correct note in a row? <laughs> Paul, is actually, Paul is a, a really good singer. He's got a, a, a great ear. And if you will play something or sing something for him a few times, he's got it. He's got a really good ear, which is why he does voices so beautifully well. Because he, you know, it's amazing. He, he hears it and then produces it. So um, he actually has a, new, a nice voice. I don't know that he will go into professional. He doesn't need to. He doesn't need to look for a new profession. But um, we actually had him sing on. We did a main title for. Uh, a show, the who, what, where, when, why. Oh, yeah. Or, anyway, we had him on, we need deep male voices. He also was a frog. Yeah, he was a frog on yeah, something he else. Just, <laughs> no, he's, no, he's, he's brilliant. And um, contrary to Tom's beliefs. Uh, no, Tom like, is, and Tom, wait a minute, Tom Ruger is also a really good singer. Oh, That's really? True. Is he? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> wait, I'm trying to remember if Tom sang on something of ours. So. Okay. Yeah. I know that Tom is a great singer. He's just very humble about it, but I know that he's a great singer. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Next time he's on, we'll have to ask him to sing a okay. tune. Right. <laughs> so speaking of Paul Rugg, I actually have two questions from Paul Rugg. I'll just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask him both rapid fire so okay. you can answer them both to get, you know, because 
this is some hard hitting questions he has. So yes. I'm just going to hit them all at once. And we love so, Paul too. We love yeah. Paul. So his, his first question, which don't answer yet because you'll have to answer both questions. But okay. Okay. first one is, why are you two so doggone nice? Okay, so start thinking about that one while I ask this next question. It's so, I know, so he's a tough hitter. Uh, what musical would entice you to come back and join Maria and him for a high school play? <laughs> Wait a minute. Okay, all right. I could attempt the niceness question Me because too. I think that if, if we weren't nice, we'd be pulverized by now. I was like a... Uh, a, a um, survival strategy. No, I think that I <laughs> so like if you're mind, nice, people leave you alone. No, 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 no. It's no? impossible not to be nice to Paul Rudd. Well, that's true. <laughs> Paul is it's just nice to be nice to the nice. He's an incredible person, and and you just can't you can't be anything but nice with Paul and Maria um, <laughs> and Maria. Both of them. We worked with them for a few years on um, some musicals. So let's see. I'm gonna say she loves me. Oh. Good which is choice. a musical. Thank you. It's, it's, um, it doesn't have a, well, it has Bach a little and, course. Bach and Harnick, they're the same guys that wrote Fiddler on the Roof. And and so, Paul, <laughs> get ready. You and Maria, maybe. let's do. We'll give you a maybe. We'll do we She did, Loves We me. did three years in a row of music directing with, with Paul at uh, his daughter's high school. And Maria. Uh, and Maria. She did, and, and it was a very, it's a very tiny school, and I think we had the whole senior class in the show and part and most of the junior class. And it was and it was the most fun we've had in probably ever. Wow. And in addition to Animaniacs. Wow. No, but it's, it's fun when you're not getting paid because then you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> well, Paul also adds that uh, Steve, he says, Steve and Julie are two of my favorite people in the whole wide world. So, there you go. so, well, we have to tell him out loud that it's mutual. Okay. <laughs> All is two of the fit. No. Um. <laughs> they both are. We love we love the rugs. Yep. Do you have anything else that you're working on currently, or, or in the near future besides Animaniacs that you want to talk about or can talk about? Oh well, actually, in um, I mean, while we're working on Animaniacs, it would be impossible to be working on something else. But in between, in between. we have done um, a little bit for uh, Studio C. Which is which out is, of BYU. Which is, is a, a, sketch show, a comedy sketch show. Which Paul happened to be um, directing at that at that point. He was the uh, producing director or something. I don't know. He, had a, he was the boss. And he had us uh, do several things. Which is a very funny show. I think. It's, it's, it's great. Yeah. It's great. So, and so yeah, we, we so got we to got, we got to be the on composers on a couple of those. That's always hilarious and fun. But while we're working on uh, Animaniacs, it's it's a full and a half time job. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a, it's, it's a lot of work. But I, I think as well, I'm trying to think of what I saw the schedule, I can't remember. We're not involved in the whole year. I know that much. So we do. We'll have some rest time where we can collapse. Well, yeah, <laughs> you know, if there are certain people that are working on projects, if, if if we can work with them, we will. I mean, other than the projects that were the, other than Animaniacs, because it's just a joy to work with certain people. Well, we appreciate you guys being on for for our podcast. Uh, it's it, time flew right by for me. I don't know about you folks, but oh, I just loved our conversation. Really 
Yeah, I can't believe it's been four hours already. I know. Can you believe it? We, we edit this, so it might not be four hours by the time we release it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, thank, so. you for, thank you for having us on. That was it's, very it's exciting. It's been really fun. It's great to meet you guys. And, and it's really cute and sweet that we got the questions from our dear friends, Tom Ruger and Paul Rudd. <laughs> Yeah, we love that. Well, I'm glad that they were able to send something in. Uh, and uh, we'll have to have it, you know, sometime in the future, we'll have to, you know, go back in the catalog and go back to, you know, West Side Pigeons or, or oh, something yeah. like that with Deanna really or something like Anytime that. Anytime you want to talk about any of this stuff, we are, we're game. Well, we fantastic. Are, As you we, might have noticed. <laughs> we love, I mean, we love the cartoons and we love being able to work on them and we love the little inside stuff about them and we love talking about it well so. we, we look forward to hearing more of your wonderful music in the upcoming series on hulu and of course yes. that is premiering this week uh friday. which is friday exactly. so exciting so can't wait to hear more wonderful music from steve and julie bernstein and thank, thank you, you so much for being on thank you guys, Thanks, guys. It was really all nice right. to talk to you all all right we'll all talk right. to you, you all right Bye-bye. bye 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 thank bye. you that was fantastic. Steve and Julie Bernstein, give them a hand. Yay. Yay. Thank Great. you, Steve. We should point out that uh, they did, like Tom Ruger wanted to say that they did over 5,000 minutes of scoring. Yes. Within the 250 episodes, which is 50 feature length movies. Wow. <laughs> so incredibly <laughs> like, talented. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just the amount of music that, that they just are able to just spill out is. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating to me. It just and yeah, and again, the the difference that the the instruments make uh, in the episodes, the the comedy, the feel to it, like it's night and day. The biggest difference. I would their their work is instrumental to <laughs> yeah, any. Was that was that uh, pun? <laughs> yeah. Hit him with the pun gun. You guys <laughs> I want to say it early on, then then we already left. Okay. Was like... uh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> well. Let's go to get to some contact information. Nathan, where can people find you online? Uh, Twitter, uh, DjangoFT. That is me. All right. And Kelly, what about you? I'm also on Twitter, Yoda Princess, Y-O-D-A-P-R-N-C-S-S. Or you can email me, Kelly, at BigShinyRobot.com. All right. And as for the Animaniacast, we're on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and our Discord channel. You can go to Discord.Animaniacast.com. Head on over there and join some positive conversation about the new series and the old series and really just any kind of cartoonish kind of topic that happens to pop up. Uh, you can get a welcome link once again going to discord.animaniacast.com. That'll give you to the Animaniacast group as well as other RetroZap uh, groups as well because we're a proud member of the RetroZap podcast community. Head on over to RetroZap.com today for fantastic articles and podcasts every day. Subscribe to the RetroZap podcast feed and you can get every podcast that RetroZap does, including this one, for free. Well, that'll do it for this episode. So for Nathan and Kelly and Steve and Julie Bernstein, (laughs) this is Joey saying good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. This podcast is not endorsed by Warner Brothers or Amblin Entertainment and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Animaniacs, Tiny Toon Adventures, Freakazoid, the Warner Brothers logo, all names, pictures, and sounds are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respected trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Animaniacast unless otherwise indicated. The next part is very cartoony. 
so I need you to purposely play this section badly. Well, you come to the right place. 